Welcome to the DJE Podcast, where you will learn about real estate investing from real-life examples. Here's your host, Devin Elder. Hey, and welcome to the show. Today, our guest is Wesley Yates. He's a former Marine that started VFR Capital Investments. They go out and invest in multifamily projects, value-add projects in Texas and some other markets. And it's a great story condensed in a relatively short time. We talk about how he got into multifamily investing from his, his first time at a at a conference in a room, knowing nothing, but starting to build relationships all the way out to buying these multi-million dollar deals and some of the other projects that they're currently in. So we talk about team building, investor relations, about spreading the workload, about focusing on what you're good at and finding folks to plug in on things that you're not good at. And so it's really just kind of a classic case study on how somebody enters this business and builds it and grows it. So really inspiring story. I think you're going to enjoy it. Before we dive in, a little note here from our sponsors. If you're not seeing uh, the deals from DJE Texas, our company, you want to see our investment projects that we're putting out, you can sign up at djetexas.com. Uh, schedule a quick call with us. We can show you case studies and past projects we've done over the past decade in San Antonio. And then if you are an aspiring operator, you want to go out and run deals and invest in multifamily deals, we built apartmenteducators.com as a complete platform to do that. There's some really exciting things happening now with apartment educators growing into different markets, students doing uh, 10, 20, $30 million projects regularly. It's really exciting to see that and be a part of that. So there's a free eight-part video series that I teach at apartmenteducators.com. You can check that out. Okay, without further ado, let's jump into my conversation with Mr. Wesley Yates. Here we go. Wesley, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing good. Thank you, sir. Yeah, thanks for jumping on. Let's let's dive in. And of course, we're going to talk real estate and how you built your business and what you guys are up to. But before all that, how about a little background on you? Um you know, how, where'd you grow up? How'd you get started and, and what kind of attracted you to this business and got yeah. you on the path? Yeah. So, uh, nothing special about me, uh, small town, East Texas, uh, town, uh, was out populated by cows, I guess you could say. <laughs> what town uh, was it? A little town called Quitman. Just how it sounds, Quitman. Um, so yep. Grew up there whole life. 18 years old, right out of high school, went straight in the Marine Corps. Um, college just didn't seem appealing to me. Sure. Went to the Marines, wanted to, you know, prove myself. Uh, nine years later, I'm getting out. So well, all <laughs> right. quite a bit while I was in there, had a good time. Um, really did build a lot of the, uh, the fundamentals that I've utilized for building my business plan for, for real estate. Um, but did go straight into real estate bounced around from one, two little odd and end jobs and then started uh, back at college and got a degree in basically manufacturing engineering. Okay. Uh, was under contract to go work at Amazon. And then I met my lovely wife now and she was the one in real estate. Huh. So yeah, I was just the, uh, I was, you know, seriously considering just, you know, the trophy husband thing sounds pretty good. You know, I can just do that. <laughs> But uh, now I went to her, as, you know, as the plus ones and just was listening. And it was it was pretty nice to just be in a room just to network for the sake of networking, sure. not having to worry about selling your story or, or, or pushing your agenda, just being in there to listen, to learn. And I think that's probably why 
I, I progressed so so quickly is because I was truly there with an open mind and a blank slate and was ready to, to get going. It wasn't a few months um, of just going as a plus one, not really having any direction. Someone called me and said, hey, would you like to do syndication? Huh. My first question back was, do I need a license for that? <laughs> and of course, they're laughing at me, but I'm like, but do I? <laughs> I've never heard of the word syndication, never do anything, uh, you know, so. They were like, hey, Adam Adam is doing an event here in uh, uh, Legacy Hall, you know, in north side of Dallas tomorrow. Be there. So jumped in my truck, drove the two hours it took me to get there, and boom. So just the only training, the only lessons I had were there's people in this room that could be investors. We need you to talk to them. Go. So, yep. And so I was just like, all right, cool. Here we go. Let's do it. But the rest is pretty much history. So was your wife a realtor or was she like into multifamily investing? She was doing actually wholesaling. So she wasn't even on the commercial side. She was just kind of doing some wholesaling on the residential side and kind of a, a part of a few different groups here and there and doing that. that investor track, which is definitely different than that realtor track. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. So you kind of came into it right out of the gate with this investor mindset which is really different. You know, a lot of people are adjacent to this space. They might've been a broker for 15 years and have had success, but have never invested anything. I mean, that story is, you know, there's thousands of people out there that are in that situation. You really have to get on the investor track to, to kind of progress there. It's interesting how many people are real close to syndications, real close to the business, but are not actually principals or out doing deals, right? Yeah, most, I mean, talking to other people, it seems like most people came from the IT, they invested passively, engineer invested passively, you know the story, I mean, yeah, it's the same thing, so they're like, wait, how long have you been doing this, and I was, you know, getting started, I was like, a few hours now, (laughs) so I mean, the first time they're like, what's your cash on cash, what's your IRR, I didn't know what those things mean, much less how to answer that, so we had an old saying in the Marine Corps, never say, I don't know, say, I'll get you the answer beautiful yeah that's so that's exactly what i said you know i was like those are great questions i really like to get you the uh the 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 accurate answers if you've got a card or some way that i can get back hold of you when we got all of our numbers dialed in uh, i'd love to do that oh yeah here you go so beautiful that that should be encouraging to somebody that's wanting to get into this business that you had the courage to get in that room and i think just getting in the right room is like half the battle with this Mm -hmm. stuff uh if you if you're in you know, this is such a relationship, relationship based business, and it's actually a pretty small world, even even nationally. Um, but you got to be in the right room to connect with people if you want to if you want to play this game. Yeah, I mean, to being I mean, the, it's getting in that right room, getting your for, foot in the door into that room. And then what do you do when you're in the room? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think that's big. I mean, I look for those rooms now where I am the smaller guy. Yes. Um, and that's not a fat joke. Uh, it's, uh, you know, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I like the big minds. I like the way they think. I like to kind of strategize with them. And I think what it was is I had no upbringing of real estate, of upbringing, of investing. I mean, my dad's a master electrician in the oil field and my mom was a HR director for a hospital. I mean, nothing about investing. I mean, I was that good. Oh, you need to go to college. You need to get a good education, get a good job with good benefits. And then, you know, that way you've got to, you know, you can retire one day. And it's like, 
okay, nothing about investing. So I found all that on my own and just kind of made something out of it. But I love those big rooms now where I feel like the little guy. It gives me hope that, hey, there is another level. There is still room to grow. There is, you know, outside of just the same thing over and over and over and scaling a portfolio. But there's layers to this. There's so many different avenues of how to approach taking down real estate. And it's um, it's exciting. You know, once you get past the the fear of that initial, oh my God, I don't know anything. Oh my God, people are gonna gonna think I'm a I'm a phony or a fake or why are you here? I've never never been asked that, even when I was the idiot of the room. Um, you know, so get past get past that is probably the first step. Get over yourself. No one cares that you're nothing. So go out and make yourself into something. That's such a great mentality. Nobody's thinking about you as much as you're thinking about you. Nobody cares about you that much. Yeah. Uh, so, so you just get over it, get out there and do it. I love it. What, so what was your first kind of foray into this? Was it coming on and helping raise capital for a project? What did your first project look like? So the very first uh, role I had in syndication was investor relations, raising capital. And, you know, so started in July with no investors, no experience, no nothing. By October, I had about 235 investors. Um, and I was waking up every day, driving into Dallas, meet networking from 10 a.m. to 10 p.m., driving back home, getting back home a little after midnight, doing that for months, yep. uh, going to networking events out in Colorado, going to networking events all over Dallas, all over Houston. Um, you know, if there was a networking event, I was there. So I just fully immersed myself. Um, you know. Yeah, let's let's underscore that because that's how it's done, folks. If you're wondering how to build this business, um, it's 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. And that's not forever, but in the beginning, that's that's how you hit it hard. So from zero to 200 plus investors under a year, um, that's how you do it. Good old fashioned elbow grease, right? Yep. And, uh, you know, I wasn't even successful on that first that first team. But one thing I liked about it is I found a way of accepting my failure, learning from my failure, growing beyond that, and then was ready to take on the next position and then the next position and then the next position. And it wasn't until I found the right team to be a part of, which I had to kind of put together through connections along the way that we came together and created our company VFR Capital Investments. And that was when things really started happening for us. But because I'd had the first experience of raising capital, of underwriting deal, of kind of operations, I mean, from at that point, from anywhere from apartments to hospitality to the fund management level. Um, so I just kept failing my way forward, so to speak, and wasn't, I read a quote, it was Winston Churchill. He said, success is going into your next endeavor with the same enthusiasm as you started your last. And, and that really says a lot because that is hard. Yes. That's really hard when you failed once and you failed twice and you failed three times and you failed four times. You know, eventually it starts to weigh in your mind and, and, and go, man, am I, am I cut out for this? You know, should I just wrap it up? This is just not for me. It's just, this is not in the, in the cards for me. And you know, it's good of, of who you put in your corner because the circle that I had around me changed drastically from when I started. In fact, when I started, I had a bunch of old friends that 
when I told him I was going to go out to Dallas to because I wanted to actually go after real estate investing, they called me an idiot. Like right. with a few other, you know, exaggerating words there, you know. But you know, what the hell are you doing? Even my family. I mean, when I turned down that Amazon job to go all in on me and my ambitions, oh man. <laughs> The I was the black sheep of the family. You're an idiot. What are you doing? I'm calling BS. Just go get a job. You know, why are you, you know, you've got responsibilities, all that stuff. But, um, you know, the wife was really supportive. Um, I made some good connections in the industry and they they kind of saw my potential. And, you know, they kind of they're like, no, you've got too much to offer this industry to give up on it. So that was kind of that last little tip of going, you know what, if I'm going to do this, every problem that I had seen was an ethical issue, uh, you know, not synergy, the what didn't have the right vantage point. So I was like, well, if I'm going to do this, it's got to be with people that are like-minded, have the same work ethic, have the same, you know, values and morals. And I was like, so, so where do I find those people? And that's where I just started calling people and said, hey, one of them was actually an investor from the very, very, very beginning. Oh, wow. You know, and uh, so he's a partner now because he was like doing the same thing. He was like, well, I've built a, a, a went from wholesaling to flipping to buying, holding. Now I'm selling off and investing passively into syndications. I'm ready to go active. So perfect timing there. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's been a fun process now since March of 2021. We put our first ever deal on our contract, at least first ever for me. Sure. And uh, 862 doors later, here we are. I love it. I love it. What markets are you guys in and how many assets is that across? Yeah, so we've got um, Lubbock. We've got DFW all over DFW from Denton to Irving to Fort Worth. Um, we've got something up in Missouri. So was that five? I think we're about five total. That's where we're sitting at now. We just had, uh, I've had two deals seller default. On those, wow. uh, one of those was down in Houston. Another one of those was in Amarillo. Actually, we're still just, that's happening right now. The second default, we're coming out of that right now. So um, knowing, I mean, that's that could be a whole story and segment right there. You know, it's not just getting a deal. It's having the right and to operate that deal after closing. Everyone's so focused on closing their first deal. If you don't have the right game plan and the right, you know, the right strategy and the right performa and the right vendors. Yeah. You'll close a deal. You could close a deal even with the wrong people in place. Yep. And then you're going to find out and it's going to be your butt in the seat that's in the hot seat when everything starts falling apart. So make sure that the asset manager you have there knows what they're doing, has experience solving problems because it's not a matter of if you're going to face problems, if things are going to go wrong. It's, I mean, you could have the best plan in the world, best team in the world. Things are going to go wrong because there's so many variables to yes. this industry to, because you're not just managing real estate, you're managing tenants, you're managing a business along with owning real estate. And a lot of people don't understand that. It's just as much of, Hey, I'm running a business and I'm owning real estate simultaneously. And, you know, people that actually have ran commercial real estate, I mean, I'm sure yourself, you can contest the, to the accuracy of that. You're buying both simultaneously, which is why it's so important to have accurate projection um, in your business plan. So, I mean, if you're over the top in your performance and 
I've seen a lot of other teams performers and stuff and 10% rental increases year over year for the entire whole time. That'd be nice. Bit aggressive, right? Um, I've heard some things from other people where they're like, well, well, if I just add a few more units, then it, the deal works. I'm like, yeah. hmm, you know what? You got something there. You should run with that. <laughs> just, just add more doors and the deal works. There you go. Uh, is there is there room to do that? No, but but if we do, it, the numbers work. I mean, so you got to be careful on these these underwritings and really know how to read through the line items and, and catch the errors. And and that's why they say at the beginning, it's it's you're investing in the, the right team. Yes. And the right project, um, because I have this saying, you know. You can't make a bad deal good, but you can make a good deal great. And I'm sure, you know, other people have said that and, and heard that a lot, but it doesn't matter how good you are. You can't make a bad deal good. And I've had so many people that get stuck on, well, if we just have the right plan, we could, we could figure this out. I mean, I've underwrote just this year. I think we've already wrote over $10 billion worth of real estate. Sure. Just this year. And you've got to be able to have a short memory on this and just a quick, nope, nope, nope. You've got to be able to say no to the majority so that when the right one does come along, you have the bandwidth to put in to that one. I mean, it takes a lot to close these things and run these things. And then you're running as you're still looking for the next one. So it's, it's like juggling over here with this hand while you're still like flipping through a book over here, trying to underwrite stuff. So um, it's, it gets fun. Yeah, but. yeah. It's definitely tricky. Getting to know as quick as possible in underwriting is like the key to it. I mean, it's like a, a hot potato. Like how can I not burn any more resources underwriting this, whether that's mine or my teams just to quickly get to know. And if, if I can't get to know, quickly well maybe there's something there and you can dig in and start spending time energy and money on it but uh it's like a game of hot potato just get it off your desk as quickly as possible uh yeah. and that's what we have a five-day rule at my on my team i like it like if but from the time it hits our inbox from the time we're making a decision on yes no or you know maybe well there is no maybe it's yes or no <laughs> or i need more info i guess that would be the third option right you got five days so, cause I like to give my brokers an answer. And if it's an off market deal, 48 hours. Sure. Yep. I, I want to give that broker an answer on yes, no, or, Hey, I have a few questions within 48 hours. Yep. And that's really what kind of put us on the mark because we started off no affiliation of any courses, any groups. It was just me, myself and my team. Right. I mean, that was, that was our group, you know, just the, the four of us. And so, I mean, you have to really work an angle and find what do I have over the other? And it was, it was quickness. It was quickness. Cause I, I, you know, I remember one of the first mentors I had and they're like, ah, oh, it's commercial real estate. Nothing really happens that fast. And I'm like, that's just completely wrong. I mean, that's like that. Oh, because so-and-so did it. That's why I do it this way. Right. That's like, I hate that excuse. Why? Why? Well, but what if I like to ask, well, what if we did go faster? How much more of an edge would that, you know, if they, if we got an answer 
back to whoever's asking us a question faster than anyone else out there. Wouldn't that give us an edge? Wouldn't that give us that competitive edge? Well, yeah. Okay. Well then let's do that. So um, that's something that we really try to pride ourselves on is if, you know, if we're, cause you're, you're selling yourself on the brokers. Yep. I mean, the broker is basically looking for a reputable, sellable, creditable buyer. And you can really do that in one of two ways. You can really have a good, compelling story. You can really show proof and take the time to really convince that broker to give you your shot. Or you can partner up with someone else that has been there, that done that, that has the credibility, that's willing for you to leverage their name right. to, to get your foot in the door with them. And, you know, I mean, so that's kind of where we're at now. Now that we've got our foot in the door, we've got a few closes, we've got some good connections with brokers across the country. Um, you know, we don't mind if we've talked to some other co-sponsors, met, met that's a few good teams out there, uh, you know, at different networking events and conferences and stuff. And, and yeah, I've, I've given my whole SREO and brochure and company, everything over to a few groups and said, yeah, you, you need an extra little ump to, to weigh it in your favor. I've looked at your underwriting. Everything looks good. You got a good business plan. I'd be willing to help you out. Here you go. And, um, you know, so we are we are about helping people because I still remember what it's like, you know, trying to get that first deal, trying to get that second deal, you know, trying to get the momentum going for yourself. And, um, you know, if we can help someone now, you know, pay it forward, so to speak, that's what we want to do. It seems like there's really a lot of that in this industry, which is which is pretty cool. You know, a lot of operators, most of them that I know didn't start in this business. They didn't get it handed down from their parents or whatever. They just went out and made it happen. And um, they remember that. So that, that's pretty cool to see a lot of that going on. So what does the team look like today and how did you put it together? Yeah. So today we have, um, we have four managers, myself. Um, we have another gentleman named Clay. He's another Marine. He is our acquisition director slash analyst. He's you know, kind of him and I built our own spreadsheets and I built see. the process out of the screening. So that way I don't like to take everything to a property manager and I don't tour everything. It's got to go through several passes before we schedule all of those. What I call my zero in phase, which is where I'm pulling all the vendors, getting all the third party quotes, all that good stuff. And then putting, you know, boots on the ground to tour it. Um, and then we have two other uh, partners, Robert and Jana Newburn. They have been in real estate for a little over 20 years now. Robert is a full-time police officer. Jenna is actually an appraiser a, a officer. Um, she's on the compliance side now, but um, they've been buying and wholesaling and flipping and you know renting and all that stuff for years. Um, they did go through lifestyles. They did go through uh, you know uh, some stuff with some rock, but um, didn't really kind of find that fit there. Uh, some good tips, but um, yeah, they do the asset management. And I'll tell you, we've partnered with a few other co-sponsors, um, but man, our deals would, we probably have already filed bankruptcy if it wasn't for Jenna. <laughs> I'll say that. I mean, that girl, that lady, sorry, she's a, she's a rock star. 
and she doesn't even know it. I mean, I, I try to tell her all the time, but I think that's probably why she's always trying to better herself and better everyone else and never let the team down or co-sponsors down, investors down. I mean, she's out property managing a deal right now because our property manager on site quit on us. And yes, we have a third party property management company and she's like, you aren't moving fast enough. Get out of the way. Okay. This needs to get done. That needs to get done. This, you know, and it's just, because here's the thing, if you don't do it within an efficient amount of time, that tenant that gets mad about, Oh, my walls leaking or, Oh, this is not broke, you know, not been fixed or they'll call the city. And the last thing you want is the city going, Hey, uh, what's going on? Uh, so that's one of the things that you want to act, you know, not just for the ethical aspect of it, of you're taking care of people's homes. And that's a responsibility that you need to, if, if you aren't re ready to accept, you don't need to be in this industry. Because I've seen some people that are up on stages and I've audited their, their apartments. And it's the, the word slumlord on steroids was thrown around on several occasions. And it's bad. I mean, these are people's homes. You got to take that into consideration. They're not just numbers. Yes, they got to pay rent. Yes, they got to do all that. No, I don't know them by names. But as a, just a moral responsibility, when something's broke, do your due diligence to fix it. Yeah, slumlord is, is, is the term because uh, it's a stereotype for a reason. There's a lot of that. Yeah, there are. So, I mean, it's it's not just can you close, it's can you, can you run it, can you operate it? I mean, because you're called an operator. So, operate. <laughs> yeah, the so, goal is the start. That's the start line of the race. Yeah, There's a lot it really things. is. Everyone's, I mean, the first, you, you, the first time, that first one, I remember it wasn't exciting. I needed a, I needed a drink by the time it was done. When you get to the closing table and all of that, I mean, it was, everyone else is celebrating, but when you're the one that's like responsible for, all right, the title, get everything. Did, did, did the insurance get bound? Did the property management seize the property? You know, all of that, those moving parts that take place at closing. Yep. Jan and I were like, you know what? We did it. We can, we can circle back tomorrow. And that's something we've done on, every big close, big movement is we do after action reports, right? Hey, what, what screwed up on that? What could we have been better prepared for so that that wasn't so hectic? So that wasn't so stressful. Um, but before we do that, you got to go out, you got to celebrate the little wins and, you know, just if, if it, it's not monetary, you don't make a dime at it, still go celebrate with your team that y'all were able to take something down. We went out last year after our first close ever, and we we floated a river here in Texas. I know if you're not from the South, you're like, what is that? What, why would you? It's a big thing down here. It is a blast. You're basically on an inner tube, and then you've got plenty of drinks in your, in your, in your koozie on a, its own tube, and you're just floating down the river for hours, just drinking, having a good time, BSing. You get hot. You just kind of roll off your tube into the – water but we did that just to celebrate our victory and uh it was much deserved because that one was uh that one was a doozy right there so yeah those closings are hectic the management's hectic too i mean i always think this the real celebration is when the wire clears on your exit when you beat pro forma that's <laughs> really the only time you can fully celebrate yeah yeah the, that that's the true real big woohoo we're done yay so yeah i have one guy um 
Eric uh, Bodywala from the Elevate team. He's like, I don't know why anyone ever accepts, uh, celebrates a close. He said. On the buy side? Yeah, on the buy side. He goes, all it means is we got work to do. And I was just yeah. like, yeah, I know, but I'm still going to drink. <laughs> <laughs> I still- recognize your wins. I mean, I tell, I tell guys that are, you know, just getting into this business, you can't wait three and a half years to, to celebrate a win. Because you might be in the deal three and a half, four years, whatever. You can't save it all till the end. Because then, you you know, that's you're just not having fun along the way. You got to celebrate your wins along the way. But at the same time, we're all taking on a just tremendous amount of responsibility for investor capital, for people's homes, like you mentioned, on and on. I mean, it's uh, got to celebrate your wins, but it's it's serious business every day as well. Yeah. But um, it can be fun if you're with the right team. You know, it's so, uh, you know, I do this full time. Yep. You know, I don't have a, a, a W-2 or anything. You know, a lot of the team members that I, I'm partnered with, they still have, you know, something else. But, um, you know, we're sh- shifting gears to really try to help mothers. And we've got um, uh, our own commercial mortgage brokerage now. Excellent. Started that earlier this year, in um, January of, of this year. And so we've got a little over 300 million under under contract right now to close but what i like about that the most is it's a way for me to help someone without coming in going i want gp i want gp shares i want gp shares you got to give me equity consultant i can say hey look i'll broker your loan but in order to do that which is the it's not just about finding a loan with the best interest rates it's there's so many more things that once you actually operate and you're you're especially when you're doing a value add with a large capex uh you know list of of you know capex budget then you need you need a lender that's going to work with you on that you know when we've built built, been with a few now that we understand oh man they are a lot more flexible and this is how to work with them they are very if you put a i'm going to upgrade this type of unit this many of this type of unit this you can't just upgrade the the total number of units they want to be specific and knowing these things with these lenders, most brokers don't even think to ask, Hey, what insurance requirements do they, do they, they need? What, you know, what certain type of reports are they going to want? Uh, what type of survey are they going to want? You know, all the little bitty details that they're going to, all the little hidden fees uh, that you don't find out until later, you know, all of that stuff. It's, it's good to have an experienced operator that should use that lender That'll recommend, oh, with what you're doing, this is the right, you know, not just loan, but the policies, the terms of the loan that are going to make make it easier and more fluid to work with that lender throughout your your value add process, especially when you're doing a bridge at your, you know, your first two, three years because you got that heavy value add. Um, So, yeah. That's really how we're helping people out right now and, and consulting them. I had one guy came to me. He was getting ready to close. He needed about a million dollars to raise. And so I was making some phone calls of seeing anyone that was available to raise, looked at the deal. He didn't have an insurance broker. I hooked him up with ours. Didn't even have an attorney. Hooked him up with ours. Uh, I mean, we pretty much built his entire supportive, all of that. Uh, so was helping advising him on how to, to interview property management companies, making sure you got the right performer and all of that. Um, unfortunately he just kind of came to us too late. Um, he only had one extension, but it was, it was, uh, it was already like right there at that. So he had 30 days to put everything together and, 
uh, with no lender, no, no, not, no. I mean, so, but I mean, in a short period of time, we came, we came very, very close. And then it all came down to once we got some of the performers back uh, and the soft quotes back, I'm like, man, you really didn't factor in with the feds, you know, the interest rates going up. I mean, you kind of went, we're like, all right, interest rates today are this, I'm under contract. That's what I'm factoring. It's like, you got to look at, they're raising throughout that and you don't get to lock in. I mean, just they'll change all the way at that end. And so that kind of why he came to us in the first place is, oh, my interest rates. I had a guy that was going to JV with me. He fell out. So we'll do, I mean, I can't promise everything, but we'll definitely open up our book of, of connections and, and co-sponsors and uh, whatever we can to leverage, to, to try to help other people close their deals and um, see what we can do. But yeah, we've got a little over 800 preferred equity connections alone. And I don't even know how many lenders. So, um, but yeah, I like that because it's uh, gives us that ability to really help other people. And yes, we're still over here. We never compete with any of our clients. So if I see a client, that's just a company policy. Um, if I see a client come in and they're working a deal, they're offering on it. And I've also got it over here. Hey, we're not going to offer on this. Or I'm going to say, Hey, do you want to partner? Right. I'm always, I'm a big, I would rather partner than compete. Um, so that's just kind of what we, uh, what we do there, but yeah, we're still out looking at some, you know, looking at a few new industries, looking at, uh, you know, really the value add here in DFW still, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. These deals are big enough that they, you can partner. I mean, it's, if you, if you try to partner up with two, three people to flip a house with a 25 K margin, maybe, uh, it's not real exciting. It's not going to support anybody leaving their W2 either, but the multifamily deals are big and, and there's lots of different ways people can participate, play to their strengths. It's one of the things I love about the industry. Yeah. No, and that's a good point right there when you said play to your strength. Find out that. You want to know what, what you need to do if you're really trying to figure out you do need a team. Right. This is not a solo game. Nope. You're going to burn yourself out too fast trying to do everything from acquisitions to investor relations to asset management. It's just you're, you're going to burn yourself out. Find out what your strengths are. Find out where your weaknesses are. Find out where your passion is. Because you can be good at something and have no heart in it. And it's right. only going to be a matter of time before you're no longer good at it. Right. So yeah, find out what you want to do and build a team around what you don't want to do. Yep. Because there's people out there that, I mean, I don't want to sit here in front of a, a computer screen and look at numbers. I mean, I can find an error in an underwriting like that, but I found a guy that that's what he wants to do. Clay, that's, he loves it. I mean, right, he'll right. geek out for hours on a spreadsheet and just, sit there and build all kinds of stuff. So I'm um, like, all right, well, there you go. There you go. You can underwrite deals now. So. <laughs> but yeah. So, well, it's, it's pretty much really up to that right there. I mean, you're going to fail. What happens when you fail? Are you going to learn? Are you going to grow? You're going to lose money. You're going to gain money. It's a business. It's not, you know, it's, it's not a job. Right. So a different mentality there. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Wesley, th I, thank you. I uh, feel like we could dive into all kinds of other facets here. Um, if somebody wants to connect with you and your team, what's a good avenue for them to do that? Yeah. So we have uh, LinkedIn pages and Facebook pages, as well as a website. It's just VFR. And that stands for veterans and first responders. 
capitalinvestments.com or just VFR Capital Investments. And you'll find us on any of those, uh, LinkedIn, Facebook. I think we got a Twitter too. I don't, I don't do much tweeting, but you know, Somebody uh, I, but you know, Elon Musk did bomb. So, you know, I'm seeing what I can do. Get Hey, imagine if you had Elon Musk as a passive investor, you know, you'd be good. You write the big <laughs> checks, I'm sure. Yeah. Big checks. Like, you know, so, but yeah, uh, hit us up. If you want to email me directly, you can just email me at Wesley, W-E-S-L-E-Y at VFR capitalinvestments.com and I'll, uh, I'll be happy to see what I can do to help you. Excellent. Wesley, thank you very much for sharing uh, some of your story here. We'll link to the website in the show notes for those listening. Just click right through to the description, go to the website. Uh, wish you guys success in the uh, rest of the year ahead. Thank you. All right. Take care. Right, bye. Thank you for listening to the DJE podcast. For more information, please go to djetexas.com.